This is a sermon that was preached at Grace Church, New York City, on the third Sunday of Advent in 1994 by Fleming Rutledge, a pastor in an Episcopalian church. The sermon is entitled, A Better Bet. Welcome to our Sunday morning worship service this third Sunday in Advent. In a typical congregation at Grace Church during the Advent season, I would imagine that about half of you are accustomed to the peculiar themes of Advent, and half of you are not. If the preacher starts talking about wickedness and judgment and hopelessness, half of you will smile knowingly to yourselves and think, oh good, it's Advent again. And half of you will be wondering what in the world is going on in this church so close to Christmas and where are the poinsettias? Well, this message is addressed to both halves of you today, whichever one you belong to. One of the distinctive things about the Episcopal Church is that we don't observe Christmas until it gets here. This is a great thing once you get used to it. Advent is the time for getting ready for Christmas in its truest sense. Advent is the time for meditating upon the condition of the lost world and the lost people in it, the same world that received its Lord and King 2,000 years ago. It is the time for looking with unblinking eyes at the evil around us, just as our old friend John the Baptist, the main man of Advent, looks unblinkingly at the crowds of people who come to him as to a guru in California and calls them a brood of vipers who'd had better flee from the wrath to come. The gurus in California, not to mention the tarot card readers and psychics over in the village are not likely to say that, are they? They know as well as the next person that a message of judgment is not happily received, but we aren't asked to receive the message of John the Baptist in individual isolation. The great wisdom of the Advent season immediately preceding Christmas is that we are invited all together to prepare ourselves for the Lord's coming, for gathering intentionally as a community to hear the truths about the human condition that are hard to bear. This is our corporate task in the Advent season and our privilege to listen for these truths in the context of our faith. You never know where you might see an Advent message. Last week, I found one in an unlikely spot in the magazine devoted mostly to the celebration of celebrity, Vanity Fair. Annie Lebovitz, in between photo sessions with David Giffen, Steven Spielberg, and O.J. Simpson, defense attorney, went to Rwanda to take pictures inside the bloody churches where hundreds of people were massacred. Sandwiching these photos in between stories about models and movie stars seems a tasteless enterprise, but the words accompanying the photos gave them their proper content. The article, written by David Reif, Susan Sontag's son, is entitled God and Man in Rwanda. Mr. Reif uses the politically incorrect generic term man. I shall follow his lead throughout. It begins like this. The story goes that a French priest in Rwanda who had survived the massacres of the spring of 1994 was asked whether his experiences had shaken his faith in God. Absolutely not, he replied. But he added, matter-of-factly, what happened in this country has destroyed my faith in mankind forever. In Rwanda these days, even an atheist has a hard time pushing away the thought that God is a better bet than man. In Advent, more than any other season of the Christian year, the prophets of the ancient Israel come into their own. Their theme is the judgment of God upon the wickedness of the human race. The prophets knew exactly what that French priest was talking about. They too had lost their faith in mankind. They had no hope in human progress. They did not see any improvement in people's behavior. Everywhere they looked, there were signs that human nature seemed to be irredeemably corrupt. 
They preached, they pleaded, they threatened, they cajoled, they wept for the people's sins, and still the children of Israel were unresponsive and unrepentant. Where was God in this situation? The prophets could not imagine how there could be anything ahead for the people except abandonment and condemnation, otherwise known as the wrath of God. What's up, everybody? Welcome to our Sunday live stream. My name is Nick Griffin. I am the lead pastor here at Wayfarers Christian Church. And I'm just super stoked, super excited that you have decided to join us today. Um, whether you're one of the friends and family that I know are always watching and always being supportive, always tuning in, um, you know, thank you again for tuning in. Thank you for all of your support. Or if this is your first time checking it out, just trying to see uh, what we're all about, the kinds of things that we do. Um, I want to just say welcome, you know, thank, thanks for tuning in. Thank you for uh, checking out what we are doing um, today. Um, just as a couple of, uh, I guess, disclaimers beforehand, um, as has been the case with uh, just the last several months of doing uh, these live stream services, we have just continued to have uh, technical difficulty after technical difficulty, and there's just been all kinds of things that have not quite been working right. And over the last few weeks, you may have noticed there's been some weird things kind of out of sync between the, the video and the audio. And, and we've done research and we've done everything. We've been trying to figure out exactly what we can do to fix that problem. And to the best of my knowledge, it really seems like it is an issue with the, the software and the, the hardware that we use to do all our live streaming. It's something that's going to be fixed in a soon to be released firmware update, something the company is going to put out and they're going to fix this problem. And after that, hopefully we'll be all good. So I'm not sure if we're experiencing that right now. Um, if you are seeing some, some weird out of sync video and audio, I hope you can forgive it. I hope maybe if it's distracting you too much, maybe just close your eyes, listen in on what we're doing today and, um, and, and you know, just try to try to focus on, on what we're talking about. Um, which leads me kind of to the second part of what we're doing today. As you can tell, it's a little bit different. We're actually uh, here in my office. We're not in our usual chapel space where we broadcast from. It's just a small crew. It's just me and my wife, Adrian. We're making this uh, live stream happen. But we wanted to do things a little bit differently just because of this um, being the third Sunday of Advent, it's it's a different Sunday. It's a little bit different than the than the typical four Sundays that you might usually experience. Um, you see, the first uh, uh, two Sundays of Advent focus specifically on on John the Baptist, on the coming of Christ, on uh, the 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 way that the Jews were looking forward to the day when Jesus would be coming and when he would be uh, when the Messiah would come and the kingdom of God would be established and. Um, they also emotionally just kind of end up focusing on the uh, sadness that the people might have felt uh, as they were waiting for the Messiah. Some of their some of their doubts and, and fears about whether God was listening to them or not. And it's just generally a, a time for, for somber reflection that I think really helps set us up well for going into Christmas. But. If you're like me and you've never been in a part in a church that's participated in the Advent season, you may not know that this third Sunday is different. It's a, it's a it's a different Sunday. You'll see here we've got our Advent wreath where we've been lighting different candles, and this third Sunday has a different uh, color, a different color candle for this third Sunday uh, to represent uh, the difference of this Sunday compared to the others. 
And the main difference is that this Sunday is kind of a, a time to come up for air, a time to breathe a little bit. We've been focusing on some of these deep, uh, somber, uh, difficult reflections, the things that are, are, are just really heavy on our hearts. And we felt that that's been appropriate for this year, for this season. But no human being can just constantly live in that, that constant heaviness, that constant deep space. Eventually, we need to come up for air. We need to rejoice. We need to we need to find some happiness and some joy in uh, in in even a, a season like Advent specifically. And so that's what this third Sunday is about. This third Sunday is an opportunity to 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 rejoice and, and to have joy. And that's something that's been really really important to me for, for for a really long time. I have just been overwhelmed and overjoyed constantly when I am reminded of the fact that we are living in um in the in, in the time that the Jews were looking forward to, that time that they were all hoping for, that time that they were all wishing for. That is the age that we are living in now. And that really is something to rejoice. But as with so many things this year, uh, it may seem weird to rejoice in the middle of Advent. It may seem weird to rejoice in the middle of 2020. And it may seem weird to rejoice just because of the, the things that we feel like our eyes have been opened to this year. So that's why today I wanted to start with that reading that Noah read. He, he read uh, from, from an Advent book. It's a series of sermons by uh, this, this, this minister named Fleming Rutledge. She's a minister of a church in uh, New York City, an Episcopalian church. And some of her writings are some of my favorites and some of Noah's favorites as well. She has a, just a, a poetic style of writing that we really, really enjoy. But one of the reasons we especially enjoy Fleming Rutledge is because she represents a kind of a whole movement, a whole theological movement that's called the, the apocalyptic movement, the apocalyptic view of the Bible, which, which sounds kind of crazy. It sounds like some sort of weird end of the world kind of stuff. But really all that that means, the, the, the word apocalypse, it comes from a, a Greek word, which just means to, to suddenly see clearly, to have our eyes opened to the reality. And it gets applied to things like the end of the world because uh, the, the Apostle John, he had his eyes opened. He, he, he had this revelation of the end of the world, which was applied in the book of Revelation. And that word revelation is the one that gets translated apocalyptic. It gets combined with all of this end of the world stuff. And so lots of times we, we hear that word and we think end of the world, but but really what this movement really focuses on is the fact that our eyes can be open to the way that the world uh, really works. And what's really interesting is that uh, they really spend a lot of time focusing on and showing us the ways in which there are these these powers that we can't see, you know, whether they you want to call them demonic powers or evil powers or other powers that exist in the world. These powers are... Um, kind of at work in a lot of the world and 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 they're generally hidden to us we we don't see the way that a lot of these powers are working and it's something that you see all the way through the bible all of the ways in which these 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 powers these principalities of powers and darkness is what what uh uh, the Apostle Paul calls them. We see the ways in which these powers are 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 at work in the world. And as Christians, we feel like we've had our eyes open and we can we can really see that in a way that is um, very clear to us. You see, you might have grown up in a church kind of like I did, where um, we focus a lot on the personal responsibility each of us have for our own sin. And I definitely think that's still true. But it's been very eye opening, very uh, re revelatory for me to see the ways in which there are 
these powers at work um, beyond us that, that are making a lot of the, the difficult and evil things happen in the world. I'm, I'm just thoroughly convinced of that. I can, I can see it all throughout. But the reason I liked this particular reading that Noah read from Fleming Rutledge was that she focused in specifically on the ways in which humans can be sort of the outworking of those evil powers, the ways where we can sort of lose our hope in humanity itself. She gave this really crazy example from from the Rwandan genocide about how um, the people who had experienced that genocide in, in Rwanda, which if you're not familiar with, I would encourage you just Google it and you can find a little bit about that. There's even a good movie about it called Hotel Rwanda. It was a horrible genocide and it was the people that experienced that, that horrible genocide. Those people lost, uh, lost a faith in humanity and, and were just, the only thing they could, they could believe in was, was the fact that, that, that God was a God who needed to bring judgment on those people. And this year, it's been interesting as I've had conversations over and over and over again with different people. I've noticed that sort of disillusionment, that sort of loss of faith, loss of hope in humanity that just keeps coming up over and over again with all kinds of different people. I've spent most of my life doing ministry between uh, college students and um, uh, the older generations. And I've been trying to, to find ways to reconcile those two generations. And it's been discouraging to me this year, more than any has been one of those years where I have just really seen, um, a sort of disillusionment and a loss of hope from, from both those groups of people. Um, you know, no, I'm just conveying what I've been hearing. This is what I've been hearing in conversations, not necessarily what I believe, but what I've been hearing in conversations over and over again. And I've heard, I've heard from, from younger people who have just been disillusioned with the older generation. They feel like the older generation has given up their morals, has given up their values, has, has just kind of given up on all of the things they were raised on for, for, for political reasons or, 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 you know, just to, to, to have the ends justify the means and, they feel like they've seen all of these amazing pastors that they grew up idolizing. They have had just these, these moral failings and, and, and all of these ways in which they have fallen. And all of the people that they used to look up to, the people that used to write songs and write books and, and, and all of these, uh, these amazing Christian leaders, they've just become disillusioned with those people and felt like maybe, maybe, none, maybe they, they never believed it either. And I've heard the same thing from older people, from some of the older generation as I've talked to them. They, they have just started to lose faith in the younger generation. They felt like the younger generation is just too far gone. They've, they've given way to all kinds of worldly uh, philosophies and worldly perspectives. And, and there's just no hope. The end of the world is coming. It's all going to come crashing down. And there just really is no hope. In a way, both groups of people seem to have just lost their faith in humanity and lost their hope. And because of that, I think this third Sunday of Advent is so important. It is a Sunday to focus on joy and happiness. And I think we need that a little bit. We need that in contrast to the year that we have been having, to the things that are going through our minds, to the things that we are thinking. I think sometimes you need just an external uh, factor that just says you need to be happy. It's going to force you <laughs> to rejoice, force you to have joy. And maybe if you feel like this year has just been horrible, if you feel like you just have been so beaten down by the year of 2020, then take this third Sunday of Advent as a, as a, as a push to help you to experience some, some joy in your life. And that may seem kind of weird. You may think that I can't force myself to experience joy, but 
I think you would be surprised to see if you look through the Bible, the way it talks about joy, the way it talks about rejoicing, it's often framed as a, as a choice. See, we think of things, joy, as like an emotion, as like feeling happiness, you know, just something that um, we feel in response to, to something else. So something else happens, it makes us happy, we feel joy. We don't think of it as something that we choose, something that we are actively involved in choosing each and every day. But often the way the word joy is used in the Bible is as a command. It is a command to rejoice. There's a famous passage in Philippians where the Apostle Paul commands the church, commands us to rejoice. He tells it to us. It's, it's something you've got to do. I'm telling you. I'm commanding you. Have joy. Rejoice. But that's kind of hard to do because like, like I've said, especially in this year, especially with the things going on, we may just have a million things running through our head, a million things that seem to be pulling us away from that joy. And there's all kinds of different things we can do to, to, to reclaim that. And that's really what I want to do today in this service. I'm hoping it'll be a little bit shorter, nothing super long, a little bit shorter than some of the other services we've done. But I want to focus just on specific techniques, specific things, specific uh, like actions we can take so that maybe we can reclaim a little bit of that joy in our lives, especially here towards the end of the year, especially as we're moving into the Christmas season. So my hope is that you will be able to take some of the things that we learned today. You'll be able to apply them the rest of this year and into next year. And you will be able to use these, these techniques, these actions as ways to bring joy back into your life, even in the middle of the darkest times, even in the middle of some of the darkest years like this year has been. And the very first thing I want us to try, the very first thing that has just helped to bring about joy for me has been singing. You see, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm kind of a neuroscience nerd. And there's this really amazing aspect about singing. Whenever we sing, we actually engage a, a completely different part of our brain than the like logical part of our brain. The logical part of our brain is up here in the front. They call it the prefrontal cortex. And that's where we do all of our critical thinking, all of our talking, all of our speaking, all of our logic. It's right here. But music, it comes from a completely different part of our brain. It engages a completely different section of our brain. And I can't tell you how many times I've been in a horrible mood. I have been in a place where I just cannot find any joy. And the right song will come on. It'll focus me in in the right place. And it'll help to bring me joy. And I think that the, uh, the, the scriptures, they know about this really well. Obviously, for, for thousands of years, the church has been singing songs, singing songs to each other as a way to, to bring about that joy. And like it, it is just it's a very simple thing, but it is the first thing that I have found has just really helped me to reclaim joy sometimes in my life is to, 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 to bypass my brain, I guess is what I'm saying. You know, sometimes your your brain, your, your, your logic, your mind is just convinced that, that things are horrible. They're never going to get better. They're always going to be bad. And you need to, to, to bypass that part of your brain sometimes. And one of the best ways, one of the most practical ways that I've found to do that is just find, find a way to sing. Find a way to sing to the Lord. And, and you will find many, many times. I have personally found it a million different times. That is one of the best, most practical ways to really help reclaim joy in our lives. So I really firmly believe that. And, and, and that's why I really wanted to start with that, because that's been just personally one of the things that has just really, really, really helped me. 
And none of these are necessarily groundbreaking, but um, I think each of them is, is a practical way that can really help us to reclaim joy. You see, just a few weeks ago, I saw um, different people were posting their like top Spotify artists that they had listened to this year. And I saw all kinds of mixed reactions from people about those Spotify artists, you know, um, on the one side, it was just kind of, I, I particularly enjoyed it. I loved seeing all the different uh, artists that my friends were following, you know, they would post a list and this is the top artists that they had been listening to on Spotify this year. Um, but there was also kind of a, a, a backlash, a reaction from a lot of people. They were just like, Nobody cares about your Spotify artists. Take that out of here. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to listen to that. It was just this cynical way of looking at it where people were like, ah, just quit posting it. It's Everybody's posting it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares what your top Spotify artists are. And it was kind of sad to me because I just started to notice that, that that's a trend I've seen in social media just in general. Um, people have uh, gotten to a point to where we're scared to just post the, the, the simple joys, the simple things that we are happy about in our lives um, because we're scared that people are just going to judge us. People are just going to think, you know, oh, this is so cheesy. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, that, 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 that this is something that, uh, nobody will care to see. Nobody, nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see just these simple, uh, joys and pleasures that we have in our lives. <clears throat> I personally felt this a lot this year. Um, just because of the birth of our son, because of Toby specifically, um, I'm just been that typical dad where I'm taking a million pictures, a million videos of Toby. And, uh, I know Adrian and I, we've had these conversations several times where we've been like, I don't know if I want to keep posting all of the pictures that bring me joy of, of about Toby because I'm scared people are just going to get tired of it. They're just going to be like, oh, quit posting pictures of your kid already. We get it. We get it. You're just a new parent who's always wanted to post pictures. And that, that cynical negativity that you see from a lot of people on social has kept us from, from really sharing the things that have brought joy in our life. Because of that, I've tried to kind of take the opposite perspective. So the most mundane thing, the most hated thing that people post, if they're just posting a selfie, if they're posting a mirror selfie, if they're posting a picture of their food, whatever it may be, if it's something that I believe is bringing them joy, I'm making sure I'm going to interact with it. I'm going to like it. I'm going to heart it. I'm going to make sure that they understand that I am happy that this is bringing them joy in their life. And this is something that has particularly helped me in this particular season is, is to focus on those little things, all of those things to be thankful for, all of those things that have brought joy into my life. It's been tough because in the year of coronavirus and with all of these negative things going on, sometimes it feels out of place to, to, to post just these simple, basic, everyday joys and things that bring us happiness in our life. But, but I would encourage you, those things are incredible. And a lot of times it's just those simple, everyday happinesses that are the ways that can really connect us to the Lord. Joy is the space between your breath and your laughter. Joy is a hand wrapped around yours. Joy is your heart beating in sync with someone else's heart. Joy is that first day of a new season and the intoxicating hope it brings. Joy is dancing in the kitchen and singing in your car. Joy is the first cry of a newborn baby. Joy is contagious. Joy is a song. Joy is the daughter of gratitude. Joy is the heart of praise. Today we plant our feet in joy. For much of Advent, we assume the position of leaning forward, longing for the moment where God will break into this world once more. However, 
Today we stop leaning to remember with gratitude all that God has already done for us, through us, and around us. Thus today we light the candle of joy as a thank you for laughter and for hands that hold our own. We light the candle of joy for the change in seasons, for kitchen dance parties, and for newborns. And most importantly, we light the candle of joy as a sign of gratitude for a God who makes water in the desert, heals the sick, offers sight to the blind, and who knows us by name. If joy is the song of praise, then joy is where we should stand. Let us pray. Loving God, all of creation rejoices for you, for it was you who hung the stars and you who made our beating hearts. Thus, as we anticipate the birth of your son, fill our hearts not only with hope and peace, which we so desperately need, but also with joy. For when the nights feel too long and the darkness too strong, you light the way for us. In your holy name, we gratefully pray. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for everything that you have done for us. Thank you that you uh, are the one who can, can bring us joy in our lives. We ask, Lord, that you help us to, to experience that joy and to experience it um, in a very real way as we lead into this Advent and Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Peter 4, 12-17 Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed, for the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must be not for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news. Now, this last thing I wanted us to focus on um, in this particular season that we are going through, and this last way that I want us to focus on, on bringing joy, is, is in a very weird way, one that's maybe not expected, one that we, you, you probably wouldn't think about. And that is specifically to find joy in the midst of our sufferings, in the midst of the, uh, the, 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 the bad things that may be going on in our lives. This is something that I've particularly been thinking about for the last um, several years, really, I guess it's been. It's been a couple of years where I've preached several versions, several different sermons about this specific thing, which is finding joy in the midst of our sufferings and actually having our sufferings produce joy in us. This is the thing that I think is, is really the key, the thing that I think will really, really make a huge difference in the way that we go through the, the, the negative things in our lives, the ways that we can go through the things that, um, that the, the, the sufferings that we are experiencing in our lives. 
And that's why I, this, this first Peter passage specifically that, that Noah read through it, it, it really focuses us in on the ways that our sufferings and the things that we are suffering through, um, can, can, can bring us joy in a weird way. The way that we can find joy in the midst of our sufferings. So I want to read it for us one more time and just really focus in on, on what is uh, the, the, the command that, that Peter is giving us in the midst of our sufferings here. And so it's 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 17. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. This is the important part. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of God of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household, and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? You see, uh, Peter, he, he, he's, he's commanding the church to, to, to find joy in their sufferings, and it's for a few specific reasons, some interesting ones. First, because uh, suffering is a way that we can really connect with, with Jesus. Jesus is uh, often described as, as the man of sorrows, the man who had to go through, through a lot of suffering himself. And so that, it gives us a way to connect with Jesus, to connect with his sufferings. But I think the other interesting aspect of it is that the thing, the difficulties, the sufferings that we suffer because we are Christians, they're, they're just a whole different kind of suffering. You know, uh, in our deep dive a few weeks ago, I asked uh, Noah what his favorite Bible verse was. And, and I gave um, uh, my favorite, current favorite Bible verse. But it's really funny. I didn't tell the story in that deep dive, but my very first favorite Bible verse is a super weird one. One of those that you, if you would have asked me, I would have been like eight years old. What's your favorite verse? I would have told you this favorite verse and you would have thought that is really weird. I have no idea why that is your favorite verse, but, but it really was because it's specifically connected with this idea. And it comes from Acts chapter five. Um, I'm gonna, I want to read it for us right here. Acts chapter five and it's verses 40 and 42. This comes right after the um, <clears throat> apostles have had to appear before the Jewish leaders to, to, to explain about the preaching of Jesus that they have been doing. And it says, they called the apostles in and had them flogged or whipped. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. <laughs> Again, it's a weird one, but that, that was my favorite verse for the longest time as a kid. And I think it was my favorite verse because it just how out of this world, how, how countercultural it seemed. But it was specific. That is what the apostles specifically rejoiced in, was that the fact that they suffered, anytime they suffered, especially when they suffered for being Christians, 
they knew that they were they had been counted worthy to suffer that that, that was like a stamp like a like a badge of honor it was a stamp of approval from the lord that they were counted worthy to suffer and what we may be going through in our lives, I think that this is something that can really, really change our perspective and help us to have that same attitude of joy, even in the midst of some of these very difficult times. I don't know what you specifically may be going through. I don't know what difficulties you are going through in your life. But I want you to try to, to, to have the perspective that it's possible that this suffering, this, this, this difficulty that you are going through, it's possible that it, it is, it is a, a, something that you can find joy in because it is something that the Lord is using. He has counted you worthy to go through that suffering, and he's going to use it to, in the book of Romans, it says, to create a proven character in you and a character that leads to, to, to hope. And it's a hope that's never going to be put to shame. You see, whenever we suffer for the cause of Christ, whether it is specifically because of our Christianity or just any of the difficult sufferings that happen in this broken world, we know that um, it, it's just pointing us forward to the, to the final reality, to the final reality when God is going to set the world right, when there will no longer be any of that suffering. And when we, when we are counted worthy by God to experience those sufferings, then it just gives us even more hope that we are God's children. The Bible says that God only disciplines, uh, you know, his children, the ones he loves. And, and, and even some of those difficult things that so many Christians over centuries have had to go through, they, they, through their suffering, they have brought so many people to Christ. And it is, it is a way that they have been counted worthy for the cause of Christ. And we've seen it over and over again with all kinds of different Christians. It leads them to joy. It leads them to joy. Those sufferings that they go through lead them to joy. And that's a difficult truth. I have to admit, it's especially a difficult truth for me just because of this, this, this specific season that I am in personally right now. Um, I briefly mentioned it in our deep dive, but you know, the, the, Personally, me and Adrian, we've been going through a little bit of some difficulties and some um, uh, medical issues that our, our son Toby has been having. Um, some of them are, are kind of scary. He's been having some some weird issues. And, and this Wednesday, actually, we're going to see a, a doctor um, so that they can do some scans and try to figure out what's going on with him and, and, and try to, to see about some of those details that um, uh, what, what might be going on. And it was interesting whenever some of these issues first started to come up. It's only been about a week that we've been really noticing these and since we got this doctor's appointment set up. Um, but since these issues have started to come up, it has uh, been really, really hard to rejoice. It's so interesting to me that this is the Sunday that is the, 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 the joy Sunday of Advent specifically, because this is a Sunday where I know I personally have really struggled to, to, to rejoice in a way that is natural. And so that's why so many of these specific things that I've been focusing on have been so helpful to me. I recorded that even when it hurts song and posted it on our social um partly just because I needed it for myself. I needed to, to remember that, that I was going to just consciously make that choice that I was going to worship the Lord. I needed to go through those times of thinking of the different things that I'm thankful for specifically, just because right now I need that. I need to remember what to be thankful for. 
And whatever the sufferings and difficulties that are going on in my life, I, I need to remember, I needed to, to refocus my mind on the fact that they're just temporary sufferings. There is a future world where, where everything is going to be made right. And that oftentimes when we are suffering, it is just the Lord saying that we are worthy of going through that. And he's going to do something amazing through that. So I'm saying this to you just because I know a lot of my, my family, my friends, a lot of you, I consider my church family now are watching this. And I personally would just appreciate any prayers that you have. Um, we have our doctor's appointment this Wednesday morning with Toby. We're going to try to see what we can find out about what's going on with his specific issues. I would, I would appreciate those prayers. But whether it's my personal issues or whatever personal issues you may be going through, I, I, I just, I want us to, to find a way to, to rejoice even in the darkest times. And the reason I want to do that is because I really think that that is one of the best ways that we can convince the world that we have something different than what the rest of the world has. We have a supernatural joy and peace that is brought on by the Lord that we celebrate in this Christmas time. You know, when the angels appear, they say, they say, joy to the world. That's, that's, that's what Jesus brings. And that's really what I want to, to focus on. So I wanted to end by just focusing on a... Um, on a the 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 collets that we have been doing every year these are just the the every week the the different um ways that we end advent these prayers that we can say uh together as a way to um really get our minds into that season and, and connect with the the history of christians that have all been involved in uh this season of advent and um this third one for this third sunday is one that uh, I, I just really enjoyed when I was reading it through. So I just want to end today by all of us reading together this, this last, uh, this third call it. If you're at home, just read along with me. I mean, just focus specifically on this. Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might come among us. And because we are sorely hindered by our sins, let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory now and forever. Amen.